There are events which occur in our world that take us some time to figure out, to contemplate what they might be about and to see what lessons we might have learned from them or what lessons we potentially could learn from them if we haven't already. Just think of the at-issue panel, for instance, uh, after every time there's an election or some kind of political announcement, trying to make sense of the politics and what's behind it and what does that mean for us as ordinary Canadians. Well, last night I went to see Come From Away. I don't know if you've gone to it yet, but if you haven't, you should. It's great and uh, it's not going to be around much longer. And that sense of trying to figure out what was going on was visceral during that show. People on planes for 20, 25, 30 hours, not knowing why they were sitting on a tarmac in Gander, Newfoundland, not knowing what was happening in their home country, not knowing that America was about to declare war. And then there were the people who lived in Gander with a double-sized population trying to figure out what that meant for them. And there's a beautiful scene at the end of the play where they all come back together 10 years later, showing how they have been transformed by the events of that day, how the events of September 11th, 2001, shocked them, caused them fear, and yet somehow brought them closer to what it means to be a human being and into an indelible relationship with the kind people of Gander who gave so much to them to make them comfortable. Well, really, that's what you have happening at the place called the Skull. You have a political event taking place, an execution. You have a rabble-rouser there named Jesus who has been a pain in the neck to both religious and political officials to say the least, and there being crucified with him, you have a couple of common criminals. It doesn't say what their crime was, it just says that they were evil, that they were being crucified because of their sins. And we've been spending a couple thousand years now trying to figure out what that means. Well, one of the clues, I think, into entering into the meaning of that event for us as Christian people is to ponder for a moment why that reading would land today. Today is the Feast of Christ the King, or the Reign of Christ. And surely there must be a better reading to talk about what it means for Jesus to be king than his crucifixion. You know, maybe the transfiguration, where he is revealed in all of his glory. Maybe some of those beautiful passages from Isaiah that are sung in the Messiah about the one who is to come to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. Maybe even something about the King of love my shepherd is, the one who leads rather than forces his people in the way of love. But this is the one we get, and we get it for a reason. We get it so that we might understand a couple of things. First of all, the nature of the king, and second of all, 
the nature of the king's reign and what that might mean for us, his subjects, as it were. I remember when I was a student at TST, Toronto School of Theology, going to see Henry V. Do you remember that movie with Kenneth Branagh? Way back when, huh? People told me that I looked like Kenneth Branagh back then. I still look like my Aunt Sally, and I looked like Aunt Sally back then. I didn't see the Kenneth Branagh thing. But anyway, I went, and I was quite surprised about how the king was portrayed. You know, when we watch movies about the royal family, or if you're obsessing over the crown right now on Netflix, it's about the glory and the riches and the jewels and the limousines and the power and the prestige and the protocol. And yet in that movie, there is Henry V on a horse riding right into the middle of war with weapons in his hand, fighting alongside his army, not off on a hill watching it happen, but right down there getting dirty and potentially wounded or killed in order to save his people. Well, today's gospel reading shows us that that's the kind of king Jesus is. In his temptations by the devil earlier on in his life, he is offered a different kind of kingship, one based on power, one based on riches, one based on the will to have whatever he wants and have the people worship him in a different way, and he rejects that because he knows that there is only one way in order to bring about peace. Peace in the world and peace in our lives. And that is by the laying down of those things, the laying down of our pride, the laying down of our desire for power, the laying down of our desire to be number one, our desire to be right, our desire to be seen as better than others. Those are the very things that Jesus lays down as his head begins to sag and finally rests upon his chest and he says, it is finished. Now it doesn't look much like a king on a throne, but somehow that thief on his left, at least in art, he's on his left, who knows, says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Recognizing that even in the mess and the turmoil and the horrible smells and the blood and the dust and the dirt and the cries of mocking and vengeance and revenge, that the power of God will rise up over all those things and Jesus will indeed be declared king and somehow come into a kingdom which is not of this world. Well, what does that say to us about the kind of people we should be if we're going to follow this king and be members of his reign rather than following the ways of this world? Well, lay aside our pride. Lay aside our desire to always be right. Lay aside our bickering 
and our gossiping and our machinating, our disturbing of the peace in order to prove our power and stretch out our arms in love and embrace one another in reconciliation, the very thing Jesus died to bring about. Truly embrace one another with justice and with mercy and with love and with compassion. And let our hearts be ruled by the Prince of Peace, the King of Love, who is our shepherd. Our nature must be formed by his nature, and our reign by his love. Amen. <laughs>